Welcome to Bible Roundtable. I'm Caroline Lewis, and to my right is Matt Skinner. And to my right is David Lewis. And to my right is Rolf Jacobson. And the topic for this podcast is, what is the Gospel of Thomas about, and why isn't it in the Bible? And Matt, this is uh, an article that you wrote for the website, so uh, why, why did you want to write about this? Because I get asked this question all the time. Do you think that's something about you, or <laughs> is that something that people actually wonder about? I think it's. Do you well, give you know, subtle hints to well, ask it? Or I talk teach about in churches, Thomas? and you often get the questions that people don't think are safe to ask or kind of wonder about. I mean, some of this, frankly, is is Dan Brown's doing. I mean, the Da Vinci Code, sure, uh, as well as some other writings for uh, Time Magazine, U.S. News and World Report. Every Easter or Christmas comes out with their kind of sensationalistic Christianity cover story, right? And it's often about secret gospels or things like that. And and most people haven't read them and don't know if they're allowed to read them uh, and wonder what's going on. I think behind that are some fears about uh, reliability. You know, do we really have the right story about Jesus? And also fears about censorship, which in our culture is one of the unforgivable sins, right? So people get freaked out when they hear that early Christians might have suppressed certain books, Um and this is, uh, some scholars have brought the Gospel of Thomas to the table and try to make a big deal about it. And so people know just enough to know that they don't know what they want to know. So should it be in the Bible? Should it be in the Bible? <laughs> That's not my decision to make, Carolyn. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, th- I think I, I, think I answered that. That, that's, yeah. uh, that no, but that doesn't mean we don't read it and don't learn something from it. The question is, what are we trying to learn? If we're trying to learn more about Jesus of Nazareth, it's probably not very helpful. If we want to learn more about... Yeah, so why Second century Christian debate, then it might be helpful to read. Well, and I think the the force behind the no is really important to open up. It, it's not no because it's threatening. It's information about Jesus that we didn't know before. It's not no because there's a, a church hierarchy in power that's threatened by Thomas or wants to control uh, or, or we're, you know, we're paid off by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> it's no because when you read it, it's wacky. You know, it's it's some material that's common and similar. There's no narrative. There's no story. It's a collection of sayings, many of which, as you point out, are just plain goofy. And when you do read it, most of us have the sense like, ah, this is why they didn't put it in. I right. wouldn't have put it right. in either. Right. And this is one of the more normal or more sensible of the what they call the non-canonical gospels, the ones that didn't make it in. Oh, um, no kidding. Yeah. And it's still... That's, Quite strange. And, and, and you know, Jesus says strange things in the canonical Gospels, too. We don't want to deny that. There are things that are difficult to understand. Uh, but this one, uh, death and resurrection are not, on the, not a part of the, the game at all. Uh, it's a very different Jesus when you take that out. And, and if it's just a Jesus who teaches mysterious things, and I hope you get it, good luck, that's not the same Jesus we meet in the four other Gospels, the four canonical Gospels. So, um, again, is that a question about protecting something? No, I don't think so. I think it's about the early church's memory of who Jesus was and why he was important and where and how is that preserved. And that these sayings were important to, to some people. Which sayings? I'm sorry. The, the, I mean, the sayings that are collected in the Gospel of Thomas. I mean, yeah, and some yeah. might go back to Jesus, but some uh, look a whole lot different. I, th- you know, I, think, um, I think it's important to underscore uh, what you've been saying, uh, but that is there was no conspiracy theory. I mean, or the conspiracy. There are lots of conspiracy theories. Thank you. There was no conspiracy. <laughs> Constantine did not stand at the door. We actually have three uh, 
uh, eyewitness accounts of what happened at that council, right? Constantine did not impose the canon. You're talking about the Council of Nicaea, I should point out, in the 4th century where... Thank you. Okay. And uh, And Constantine was the Roman emperor at the time, but you were going to say that. Right, because that's in damn... I was, actually, but (laughs) I'm glad that you said it. Um, But so there there was no conspiracy, but also that all all Christian groups um, have the same New Testament. Unlike the Old Testament, where different Christian groups, uh, some Christian groups have extra books that other Christian groups don't have, and I'm sure we'll cover that in a future podcast, uh, an article. I um, guess I probably got to write that one. But the all Christian groups have the same 27 books in the New Testament and the same four Gospels. There are no Christian groups that include the Gospel of Judas or Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel according to, you know, you know Benihana or whatever. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, and there is, there is no official decree from any emperor uh, declaring what's in and what's out. I mean, it's, it, there's a sifting process that goes on. I mean, there are different criteria that are operative at different times, and some gospels or books seem to rise in popularity and then fade again. Um, but there is no official um, shaking out of, of this. It, it, over time, the church accumulates or keeps, keeps hold of the ones that seem to matter. I mean, it's kind of like we look at old homes. You go down Summit Ave in St. Paul and all the old homes, and we sort of assume, wow, they must have only built great homes back then in the 20s. It's like, no, they built crappy homes then, but they fell apart. (laughs) They were pulled down. They built new homes in front of them, and there's something kind of similar going on. There were lots of other writings. They weren't kept out. They fell out. Right, right. We should point out, too, and this is probably the topic for a different essay and podcast, that by the middle of the second century, around 150, and certainly by 180, and even more certainly by 200, (laughs) widespread Christians are reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four of them, and they start to be circulated together, and they start to be considered the Gospels, or better, the singular fourfold Gospel, the single Gospel in four different dimensions. Um, And you might think, like, well, that's a long time from Jesus' birth, but, you know, given the rate of, of reproducing documents and spreading them around in the ancient world... We'd say that's relatively early or relatively, you know, pretty quickly that those four start to be gathered and then read over against or pitted against in some ways the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Peter, some of these other books that we know about. So that should put to rest some of the theories, but not the theorists, perhaps. What I like about your article, uh, and I invite people to reference that, is that you give a link to the Gospel of Thomas. So if people are interested and curious, uh, bearing in mind it will tell them more about the debates of the second century, as you mentioned, um, they can go and read and kind of decide for themselves what value it is. Yeah, it's not hidden in the basement of the Vatican somewhere under lock and key. <laughs> Although if it was, I couldn't tell you about it. <laughs> or better, you can make a movie about it. Oh, there's an idea. <laughs> so on the website, there are written answers to questions and keep downloading the podcast. Welcome to the table.